Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Kelsey had been here for five days. It had been chaotic, so much more chaotic than Lynn ever would have anticipated. He had planned for the very worst case scenario, which had actually ended in his death, which at the very least would have been a lot easier, and he wouldn't have had to deal with this. It would be all over, he could just sit back in the astral plane and relax. Maybe, maybe looking back, this was the worst case scenario this scenario where he had to be completely aware of everything that was happening. This scenario where he had to keep living, knowing what he had done. It wasn't like Cassie had specifically made things more difficult for him. She had been treating him like a second child, like he always imagined a more usual mother would treat him. She had offered to cook for him, and taking his food with a smile and with praise. Every morning she would hug him, much to his discomfort, and every night she waved him goodnight before she disappeared to the guest room further down the hall that had been designated as hers. She acted like the last forty years they had kept up with each other, become closer as friends, and while it was nice, in a way, Lynn couldn't help but constantly wonder if and when it was going to blow up in his face. Currently, her days had been taken up with wandering around the grounds with Micah, catching up as much as they could. Lynn had been worried about them wandering any further into the wilderness around the city, knowing the tendency for both bandits and more dangerous wildlife, until Carsey had just laughed and held up her axe to remind him that there was no way that Micah would be in any danger, not while she was around. Carsey would never let Micah get hurt. Lynn had started to notice how much he missed Micah being around. He loved spending time with Caelan, of course, but the house just seemed quieter when Micah wasn't there. There was no soft, rhythmic tap of his tail against the sofa, no quiet humming that he didn't realise he was doing. Even when he wasn't around, Lynn could often hear his music drifting through from another part of the house, but even that was noticeably absent now. It wasn't that it had annoyed Lynn when he had done it, but the absence was painfully apparent now that it was gone. Micah always came back at the end of the day, though, and it wasn't until he did that Lynn panicked that there was a possibility that he wouldn't. What if his mother was talking behind Lynn's back, persuading Micah to come home with her? Each day he would feel his anxiety spike, feel his heart speed up in sheer panic before Micah came into the room, tugging on the front of his shirt to pull him down into a kiss and tell him he missed him. Lynn had also spent the last five days refusing to sleep, refusing to let the nightmares that he knew would come invade his brain. It wasn't the longest he had ever been awake, but it was the longest since Caelan had moved in. He could feel his thoughts starting to slow down, his movements getting even more uncoordinated. A large part of him knew that he couldn't keep this up forever, that 
he would have to sleep eventually, but he just couldn't help but think just one more night, one more night without the nightmares. Just a little longer, a little more peace. It was becoming apparent that Micah and Kaelin had noticed he was refusing to sleep. From all of the coffee in the house going mysteriously missing, to the fact that they had taken to suddenly boxing him in bed every single night, a part of him felt all warm and fuzzy inside the fact that they cared about him enough to do it, but another felt nothing but annoyance. Their actions were coming from a good place, sure, but it was forcing him into his own nightmares, forcing him to relive some of the hardest moments of his life. And that was where he found himself, Kalen lying to his right with his leg thrown over Lynn's and Micah to his left with the entire top half of his body lying on Lynn's chest. He couldn't move even if he wanted to, trapped here underneath the both of them, and with the lack of caffeine in his system it was getting more and more difficult to keep his eyes open. He would be falling asleep soon, he knew it, and then the nightmares would come. Every time he blinked his eyes felt heavier, it got more and more difficult to open them up again. Kaelin had started to make the room so dark that even he struggled to see in it. There was nothing to keep his attention, nothing that he could really focus on to stay awake. His entire body felt like lead and a part of him knew that his mission to keep from falling asleep was going to be over sooner rather than later. All he really could hope for was that the proximity of the two men he loved most in his life would keep the nightmares at bay for tonight. He had been in his office when he heard about it first. Of course, he had known about the new push out east, he had been one of the ones that had organised it. He had also, apparently, failed to properly prepare. If the knowledge that there had been dragons fighting for the enemy was true, and he didn't see why someone would lie about something like that, then he had been woefully unprepared. It was supposed to be an easy push, so quickly after another major battle to give them so little time to prepare. All of the intel he had received had told him that the enemy was still scrambling, still trying to recover from their losses. Lin had argued for a fast retaliation, something to break down their defences. He had, ultimately, been listened to. And if he was thinking big picture, he had been right. Their forces had been able to break through enemy lines, win back more land than they had ever had before. The generals were celebrating it as one of the most decisive victories of the war already, and that's what Lin should be doing right now. Drinking posh wine and eating rare food that the common folk hadn't seen in the last five years since the war started. Lin hated it. It reminded him too much of home, too much of what he had run away from. Which was why, when he heard the news, he was shut away in his office planning the next move. The Asimar woman that opened the door looked nervous and that was something that Lin had never thought he would get used to. Sure, he had worked his way up through the ranks, but being called Sir still confused him no end. He was still a child in elven society anyway, not that anyone else in the army knew that. We have news, sir, from the firewalkers, she said, wings pulled in tightly to her back in a way Lynn was sure designated that she was nervous. He should have known then, should have already been up and moving, but he had always been so stupid in the ways that it truly mattered. Are they celebrating after the victory? He asked, barely even looking up from the notes in front of him. 
It's well-deserved. Well, I'm sure that they are. It's just... We've received word from your siblings' unit. They received a pretty serious injury. They're in an induced coma in the medical tent. Time seemed to stretch before Lin's eyes. Hiroki was, always had been, invincible. Lin had only ever seen him take a hit once, and that was entirely Lin's fault. Technically, again, this was Lin's fault. It sickened him to think about it. He had been up on his feet in seconds, grabbing his coat and heading towards the door. He had no idea how he would get across the medical tent. He was so far away from the front lines, but he would fucking walk if he had to. Sir, I could send a message back if you wanted me to, the Asimar asked, coming further into the room and hovering around him nervously. No need, I'm heading over there right now. I need you to... I need you to find a teleporter. I don't care where from. Find a teleporter and give them the coordinates of the hospital. I'm heading there straight away. Lin had been in medical tents before. Of course he had. It was just... The last time he was admitted as a patient, not a visitor. His name and rank got him past most of the guards, got him an immediate audience with one of the doctors, a gnome woman who was currently hurrying down the corridor to show Lin exactly where he needed to go. He almost skidded into the room he was shown to, torn between not wanting to see and needing to know what had happened. Hiroki was lying in the hospital bed, looking strangely small wrapped in all of those blankets. It was strange seeing him so still. Usually he was in constant motion, tapping on surfaces or twirling a blade in between his hands. But all Lin could see now, under that raging inferno that he had come to expect of his face, was... The slow rise and fall of his chest. Two humans flanked either side of him, holding each of his hands in theirs as they leant over him and whispered between themselves. It had been a few years since he had last seen them, the time that they had first met. They had aged like humans were wont to do, but not as much as Lynn might have expected. Lorendi and Asilde. Kasi. A voice in his head supplied. Isilde is called Kasi. The name almost split his head in two, and his body tried to tighten in on itself in pain, but it wouldn't go. He didn't feel the pain the first time he experienced this, so there was no need to react to it. But that didn't stop the pain that was flowing through him now. What happened to him? His mouth moved without his permission. He knew where this was going, and... He wanted to stop it as long as he could. Maybe today would be the day that he managed to change the events of the nightmares. It wasn't. Took down a dragon, Lorendi explained, turning his head slightly to look at Len. He looked tired. He looked like he had been crying. Really did win us that battle, but didn't really think about his plan coming down. He made a short laugh, rubbing his thumb over the back of Hiroki's hand gently. Has he woken up? Is he... Lin asked, hovering close to them and resting a calming hand on Hiroki's arm next to Kasi's. Now he was closer, he could see the large casts that were wrapped around both of Hiroki's legs. He didn't really think about his plan coming back down. The doctors 
say they're keeping him like this until the pain subsides enough for him to be awake. Kasi supplied, both of her hands wrapped around one of Hiroki's so completely that Lin couldn't see it. How they know when that is? I don't fucking know. Lin sighed, stepping closer and pushing some hair out of Hiroki's face where it had grown longer again. It wasn't often he let it grow this long, and Lin wondered why he had this time. Okay, well, I'm here now, so you two can leave. Lin finally said, sighing as he watched Hiroki's eyelids flutter as his eyes moved behind them. Hopefully, his dreams were sweet. What the fuck are you talking about? We're staying. Kasi suddenly spoke, and it made Lin turn around to look her in the eye. She hadn't even offered up her chair for him. You're not needed anymore. I'm here. I'm his family. The two of you can leave. Lin explained slowly. He had been told Kasi wasn't the smartest, but this was something else. We're his family too. We're fucking staying. Kasi replied, standing up. Up close, Lin could see that she was almost as tall as he was. Let me put it this way. Then, Lin said easily, drawing himself up to his full height and staring Cassie down. Either you leave this room of your own volition, or I will use my rank to make you leave. The part of Lin that was aware, the part that remembered this happening, tried to duck. But in real time, in the time where this actually happened, he didn't see the headbutt coming until it had smashed into his nose. There was another second, another moment where Lin's world shifted entirely. His position changed, the entire time changed, and it made him feel sick to his stomach. He had assumed that he would get used to it eventually, the amount of times these nightmares shifted his perspective, but he never had. He found himself sitting in a chair at the side of Hiroki's bed, eyes closed and trying to ignore the pain throbbing in his nose. It had been patched up, at least, from where Cassie had broken it, but he had refused any magical healing. He had been hurt by healing spells far too often to risk it now, for something so small. The two humans had been escorted from the room by one of the higher-ups, Lorendi going quietly and willingly, but Isilde, Cassie, Isilde, fighting every second of the way. A part of Lin wondered whether he needed to feel bad, using his power above them to force them out of the room with Hiroki, but no. He wanted, no, needed, to be in here alone, him and his sibling, just like the old days. Hiroki started to stir slowly, more decisively than the many other times he had during the last few days Lin had been in there. Lin sat up, taking one of Hiroki's hands in his to let him know that he was there, that he was being supported this whole time. His eyes opened slowly, blinking a few times as he tried to take everything in. Lin looked back, a small smile on his face, as he waited for his sibling to talk. What happened to your nose? Lin sighed, coming back to rest his head on Hiroki's chest. He felt Hiroki's hand in his, squeezing in tightly. One of your pet humans did it. The words took a few seconds to sink in, and Lin watched as Hiroki's eyes grew dark, ears dropping down almost to his shoulders. His voice dropped low, almost a growl, as he heard an angry purr start to rip from his chest. 
What the fuck did you just say? Lin lifted his head, narrowing his eyes in confusion. Hiroki's eyes had been the same bright red as his, but he could still see them filled with hatred. They were in here when I arrived, and they refused to leave even after I pulled rank and she fucking attacked me. Hiroki's hand ripped out of Lin, shoving his chest so he slipped off the bed. Lin looked back at him from the chair, heart breaking all over again. It was the first real time that Hiroki had ever pushed him away. They're not fucking pets, Lin. They're human. They have just as much of a right to be in here as you do. Hiroki's voice was escalating, getting louder and louder, and the hair on the back of Lin's head started to bristle, his own ears pinning back the louder it got. His back had straightened as soon as Hiroki started shouting. He had always hated shouting. Whenever anyone shouted, it was almost like a gut reaction that he shouted back. He had always had the softest voice out of everyone in the family, but when he yelled, boy, could he yell. They're just some humans. They're going to be dead in a couple of decades if they even make it through the war. I'm family, Hiroki. I'm your brother. Hiroki narrowed his eyes, scoffing at the comments he had made. He pulled at the bandages across his chest down, showing Lin the very top of what looked like a tattoo stretching across the entirety of his pecs. Lin could see the flames that flickered magically as if they were real, the top of an axe, a shield, and the distinctive handle of one of Hiroki's favourite blades. One of the blades he got buried in, something told Lin, but it shot a pain of stabbing through his chest. Lurendi and Asilde are more family than you will ever be. Just because we share the same blood doesn't mean you're more entitled to me than they are. But I understand that you don't have any friends, so you would have no idea what I mean. And that was it. He had come too far to go back now. As soon as the hurt expression crossed Lin's face, it disappeared again, replaced with nothing but anger as he gritted his teeth and clenched his jaw. I have friends. It was a ridiculous argument, and Lin knew it, and tried to add more, but Hiroki refused to let him. Name one. Name one friend that isn't someone that only likes you for the money or the influence that you can give them. He raised his eyebrows at the younger elf, who simply stared back at him. It was an almost impossible task, and Hiroki knew that because... Before Elsilde and Lorende, he would never have been able to name one either. The part of Lin that was partially aware seized up in fear. He knew exactly what was coming next. Exactly. That's just another failure. Tell me, Lin, how long is your list getting? Lin's ears drooped for a fraction of a second before they snapped back to normal. Lin had always been much better at hiding the emotions through his ears than Hiroki had. He scowled, trying to draw himself up to his full height. It may have worked if it had been anyone other than Hiroki. You sound exactly like a rata. Hiroki scrunched his face together. It was a hell of an insult. But he had always been the only one who had ever stood a chance in a verbal battle against Lin. Yeah, well... You sound like Dad, with all of your human bullshit. 
Lin's eyes narrowed again and he started to swear in Elvish. He had always hated being told that he was like their father. It had never changed, even in these 30 years since the memory first happened. Why are you doing this? The past four years I've been doing nothing but trying to keep you safe. Hiroki couldn't help barking out a laugh, coughing when it hurt his lung. Lin couldn't even find it in him to be worried about it anymore. You're trying to keep me safe. They had a dragon, Lin. How the fuck did you miss them having a motherfucking dragon? You want to hear sounding like a rata? You're fucking useless, Lin. Go home. Tears started falling from both of their eyes, but they were more from anger than sadness. Lin screamed in almost primal rage, turning around to clear one of the tables in the room before storming to the door. You know what, Hirochi? Fine. Fucking die then. I'm going to go home. Take on the responsibility you were supposed to have. And I'm going to fucking flourish. Just watch me. <laughs>